It's good to see you here today. I can tell we have a special thing going on because you're all on time. God's good, huh? Um, this Easter season, these messages leading up to Easter, uh, we're talking on what it means to be spiritually intelligent. Now, intelligence is measured in several different indices. Oftentimes, we talk about EQ, emotional quotient, being emotionally intelligent. That means you're self-aware and you're able to read other people and relate to them. Now, a new term that's coming uh, of age is cultural intelligence, cultural quotient. That means you're aware of the generational differences and you can go cross-generation and talk into other people's worlds or you can go uh, through ethnic barriers and, and talk uh, to people that are culturally different than you. Of course, so it's a standard measurement of intelligence that's IQ, uh, intelligent quotient, and, and that, that has to do with your cognitive abilities to think and analyze and figure out those kinds of, of things in life. Well, in this series, uh, leading up to and including Easter, I want to talk to you about spiritual quotient, being spiritually intelligent. And today, we're going to once again talk about uh, that topic matter, and the message is entitled Informed uh, Faith. But basically, if you're uh, uh, spiritually intelligent, your worldview is formed by the Bible, by your relationship with Jesus Christ, by your belief in the resurrection, and, and you're uh, adhering uh, to these truths, and they're forming then how you look at life and how you view life and how you interact with other human beings and what you think about life and death and all those kinds of uh, things. In many of the Bible stories that we read, the people that were involved, it's evident that they were not spiritually bright. They didn't have a good SQ, so to speak, a spiritual quotient. In fact, they, even though they had Christ standing right in front of them, oftentimes didn't get the most basic of things when it comes to the spiritual realm of things. On that first Palm Sunday, a week before the crucifixion and then the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, signifying that he was a king coming in peace. And the people were excited, and I think most of them were just carried along by the excitement. They didn't really know what was going on, and they laid their cloaks down on the road, and they cut palm branches, they put them on the road, and we call that the celebration of, 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 of Christ's uh, triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and we recognize that entry today as this is Palm Sunday, and later on the kids are going to come in the church waving palm branches, right? And that's a, a way of commemorating that, that, that triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. But you know what? Most of the people involved with that event didn't get what was going on. They were not very spiritually intelligent. Let me read to you uh, that event. It's found in um, Matthew chapter 21. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, uh, uh, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with a colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while the others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus. Now here's where they're a little bit short. The prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. That's not necessarily wrong. It's just not altogether right. 
The answer was incomplete. And as evidenced by what would transpire in a week, the same crowd that didn't quite get who Jesus was, was then set up to be manipulated by the leadership of that time uh, to shout for the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Let's say I'm meeting you for the first time. We're all Midwesterners, so we shake hands and we're very stiff and formal, right? We do this, uh, hi, I'm Steve, and you might say, you know, I'm Sam or Fred, whoever you are, right? And, and, and we might do a name exchange. Then if my wife is standing next to me, I probably, because I'm a polite Midwesterner, will say, oh, this is my wife, Vicki. Right? Would you do that? Guys, you should do that. If your wife's standing there, you should introduce her. Amen? But that title, wife, is an incomplete description of who she is as a person. That's just her relationship to me. You know, she's mothered six children. That's kind of important in her life. She has 13 grandkids. That's another important facet about her. She has a lot of passions. If you get to know my wife, she has lots of passion. The girl loves to hike. The higher, the better, and the more dangerous, the more she loves it. All right? Uh, you wouldn't think about uh, that kind of thing if you just met her casually. Um, she loves to play ultimate frisbee. Uh, she loves to go on walks that exhaust me. That I go, oh, you, do you want to go on a walk? Yeah, that means six, seven miles. I don't know if I want to do that. You know, um, and, and then she, um, she has some peculiarities about her. Um, I remember when we were in college uh, back in the 70s, uh, the first time I went to college, at any rate, um, she was taking Hebrew. She just thought, I'll take Hebrew. Why would you do that? It's so hard, you know. And so I, I had to laugh one day because she came home. Now, she has long, dark black hair. That's her actual normal hair color, okay? And so she comes home one day, and, and now she's a, I'm a senior in college, and, 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 and she was like a, a junior at this time. Uh, she was pregnant with Elizabeth, our first child. She's very pregnant. So she's taking this class in Hebrew, and several of the students said, oh, you're a good Jewish girl. You're pregnant, and you're taking Hebrew. And she told me that, and I thought that was hilarious, you know, because she's not Jewish at all. Uh, she's, oh, you don't care. Anyway, you follow what I'm saying. Now, my description of Vicky as a wife didn't describe any of what I just told you. Amen? It's an incomplete description of her. Jesus being classified as a prophet from Nazareth in Galilee isn't the whole story. It's totally inaccurate. That title is just too small for the Son of God, the, the Savior who's going to take away the sins of the world. And this morning, I just have a very few moments to talk to you, and then we're going to get into baptisms. We have 11 baptisms this hour, 9 baptisms next hour, and then 10 the third hour. So we've got this morning of baptism. Isn't that cool? Amen. All right, thank you. I'm going to prompt you guys. I'm going to get you to be an excitable crowd. If it kills me, and probably will, at any rate. <laughs> um, the baptisms, though, that we're going to witness this morning, uh, uh, they, they tell that we have a group of people who believe what I'm about to share with you. Believe it so much that they're ready to testify before all of you of their love of Jesus Christ. So this morning we're going to look at Jesus uh, through three claims made about him. And uh, this still falls way short of who he is as our Savior. In fact, I love what the uh, Apostle John says when he gets to the end of the, the Gospel of John. He says, 
Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world could not have room for the books that would be written about him. Amen, right? And so no matter how much you talk about the Lord Jesus Christ, it's always a little short. But this Sunday, I want you to become informed in your faith, become a little bit more spiritually wise as you walk out of this place so that you have a high spiritual intelligence. Uh, before I get into the big three claims, I'm going to tell you why you should believe what I'm about to share with you. What is the proof behind the claims uh, made by Jesus Christ and the claims made about Jesus Christ? Well, let me read a story to you from um, John chapter 2, verses 13 through 19. It's about Jesus' interaction with some money changers. Uh, when it was almost time for Jewish Passover, Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves and other sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him. They always do this. If you read uh, the Gospels, you'll see this over and over again. What sign... Can you show us to prove your authority to do this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I'll raise it again in three days. In other words, Jesus said, My resurrection is the proof that will show you that I have authority. Why should you believe the claims about Jesus Christ? Well, because the resurrected Jesus was seen by hundreds of people. He was resurrected, and not only was he resurrected, he was resurrected, and a lot of people saw him. It's really good history. It's all over the place. And the, and the resurrection then gives credibility to the claims of Jesus Christ. Listen, when we drill down to it, and you talk about Christianity, it's all about resurrection. It all hinges on resurrection, amen? That's our differentiation point. And that's the thing that we need to really focus on. And you know what? God wants us to understand Jesus Christ indeed was resurrected. And he, he, he did that so that hundreds of people witnessed it. Listen to what happened in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is the Apostle Paul writing. I'm going to begin with verse 3. For what I receive, I pass on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. In other words, they've died. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me as the one abnormally born. I read this and I go, this is some of the grandest, most awesome, apologetic scripture in the Bible. Basically, Paul is saying, listen, Christ arose from the dead and he didn't do it in hiding. He did it in full view of a whole bunch of people, hundreds of people. And the Bible goes on to say, if Christ wasn't resurrected, then we're to be pitied more than anybody because we've been deceived. But he has indeed been raised from the dead and God, wanting us to understand that the importance of this, did so in full view of hundreds of people. And you know, this so affected those early believers that they died rather than deny their belief in Jesus Christ. Because they had seen the resurrected Jesus Christ. So who is Jesus? And we begin to talk about the claim to Jesus for just a couple minutes here. He is who he is because of his resurrection. Okay, here we go. Jesus is the person he claimed to be, first of all. Jesus is the person he claimed to be. He made some pretty outrageous statements. He said things like, I'm God's son. 
I'm the Son of Man. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the Good Shepherd. I come to say that which is lost. I'm the resurrection and the life. In John chapter 11, we read how a friend of Jesus, his, this friend's name was Lazarus, had died. And Jesus shows up after he died. Martha goes out to meet him and said, if only you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha gives the Sunday school answer. Oh, I know, Jesus. I know he'll rise again. He'll rise in the last day. And Jesus said, oh, Martha, you haven't got it right. And he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? That is the key question. A common mistake people make is to say Jesus is a good moral teacher. He is not. He's way more than that. Again, that's too minimalistic for who he is. He is the son of God. He is who he claims to be. He is the person he claims to be. 30 people this morning are getting baptized. Say they agree with that. Amen? So we're going to do this, even though it's not Easter. He is risen, you say? Okay, you'll get better. I've got a couple more opportunities for you. When I think of Jesus, what comes to my mind is power. Power comes to my mind. Jesus has the power he claimed to have. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 18, no one takes it, his life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, authority to take it up again. This command I received by my Father. So the, the tomb could not keep Jesus. It could not hold him. The Romans killed him. They put him in the tomb. They put a big stone in front of the tomb. And they put a Roman guard on the tomb 24-7. But they couldn't stop the inevitable. And Christ rose from the grave. He has the power he claimed to have. This morning, 30 people are saying, I agree that Christ has the power that he's claimed to have. That power is affecting me, and it's changed my life tremendously. We worship you this morning, right? We exalt the powerful Lord. He is risen, you say? One more claim. This is a short message. And those of you who know me, this is a miracle. One more claim. Then we're on to the baptisms. Jesus is the one who keeps his promises. He does what he says he will do. So Jesus does what he promises to do. Listen to Mark chapter 10, verses 32 through 34. They were on their way to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We're going to go to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Now hear this. Here's the promise. Three days later, he will rise. The cross, the crucifixion, and the resurrection were not a surprise to Christ. He foretold it. He promised these things would take place, and they took place just like he promised. The promise of the resurrection was so out of the box, I don't think that anybody there really believed it. I don't know if I would have believed it. How about you? It's so out of the box. So some women are going uh, to the tomb of Christ after he's been laid there after the crucifixion, and instead of Jesus, they encounter an angel. Now the angel, we're told, had come down from heaven with a sound of thunder and with a violent earthquake, rolled back the tombstone from the entrance where Jesus had been buried, and we're told that the angel's appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. We get the white as snow here, amen? Come on, we just had a blizzard in April. Isn't that not discouraging or what? But we know what it means to be white as snow. And the guards of that tomb had a worship moment. They were slain in the spirit. They fell down as dead when they saw the angel. And the angel said, why are you here, girls? 
Why are you here? He's risen just like he said he would. He does what he promises. He is risen, you say? So this Palm Sunday, once again, the question arises, who is Jesus? He's a lot more than a prophet from Nazareth. He's the person he claimed to be. He has the power he claimed to have. And he fulfills the promises he gave. And 30 people are coming forward this morning and saying we believe that with all of our heart. So those who are getting baptized, you need to leave right now. You know where you're supposed to go. And I want to make an invitation that, uh, uh, to those of you who are remaining here. I know that for some of us, sometimes uh, we think, I should get baptized, but you never kind of make it to the class, or you kind of always waffle on it. You can get baptized this morning. If you're, if you're feeling like God is telling you to be baptized, then we got Pastor Serenity over here. You can see here, we have shirts for you and shorts and towels who have no excuse. So if you love Jesus Christ, and for some reason you've not been baptized, and the Holy Spirit's moving on you today, just come see her, and you can join the other crowd. It won't feel like you're just doing it on your own, and we'd love to baptize you along with the rest who get baptized this morning. So serenity will wait there. If anyone shows up, you just need to see her, and she'll, she'll get you arranged. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to move into uh, this moment of baptism, and I'm going to turn it back over to you guys, and you, the kids will come in, and you'll, you'll figure it all out. Lord God, I want to thank you for uh, the, uh, the uh, stuff we just read about Christ this morning. Um, Jesus, we know that it all hinges on the resurrection. And I want to thank you, God, that history is our ally when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus Christ that so many people saw him. I, I was just reflecting on this week uh, how I bought a whole set of books from the ancient historian Josephus who was a, a, a Jewish historian at the time of Christ who also wrote about Christ's resurrection even though he wasn't involved with it and wrote about the effects it had on the people in the clan that they called Christians at that time and he wrote all about that. And I thought I'm just going to buy that collection just because sources other than the Bible other history sources talk about Christ. And I want to thank you, God, that you've given us this proof. And I pray that today we would all be convinced that Jesus is the person he claimed to be, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the one who atones for our sins. And if we place our faith in him, we're born again and become children of God. He is who he claimed to be. He's the person he claimed to be. He has the power he claimed to have. If we put our faith in you, God, we know that you fill us with the person of the Holy Spirit and you begin a marvelous transformation work in our lives and we become someone we were formerly not. And I pray that we would all be experiencing that power. And Jesus, just like you came the first time, you've promised to come again. And you promised to make all things right. And we're a people now who stand fast in your promises, knowing that you're good on them. So Jesus, we love you. And we just praise you because you're the person who you said you are. You have the power you claim to have. And you'll do the promises that you've given. Glory be your name, Jesus. Now may we just enjoy this moment of worship. In your name, Jesus, amen.